welcome back to the Living Out Love podcast. This is my offering to the world to help develop spiritual leaders. Today, I want to talk about something that is pretty pervasive, self-sabotage. But I'm not talking about it from the lens of doing something that would mess us up, such as ending a relationship that was with the soulmate rather than face your fear of commitment or not putting the parking brake on because it probably doesn't need to be on. That type of self-sabotage is when we are actively making a decision. Those decisions are worth talking about, and on a future perhaps episode, perhaps I will. But today, I want to talk about passive self-sabotage. The kind of self-sabotage that doesn't feel like sabotage because it is masked with seemingly positive thoughts. I caught myself doing this the other day, of course, as are all inspirations for podcast episodes is me making an a imperfect, beautiful mess of life. But um, so I needed to make some changes to my website based on feedback I'd gotten from a few clients, and I had a hard time making myself do it. Even though I usually enjoy working on the website, I was not motivated, and more than once I sat down to do it and found myself either avoiding it or getting distracted. After a few times of this happening, I caught on to my pattern of avoidance and wondered what was going on in my brain and body that was causing this pattern of not doing something that I ultimately really did want to do and that I have successfully done in other instances. Update and change a website. I've done that lots of times. In this situation, people wanted scheduling on my website. So I wanted to add a scheduling tool. When they would book a reading, they could go look at my calendar, that sort of thing. But why was it that when I would sit down to work on it, inevitably I would end up doing something else? And honestly, in my reflection, I could not figure it out. At that point in time, all that I saw clearly was that I had a pattern but I couldn't figure out what I was thinking and feeling that led to that pattern of self-sabotage. So then it happened a fourth time. And the fourth time I sat down to work on my website because I was aware of this pattern, I was now able to identify my thoughts and feelings. My thought was, I want this to be right. (laughs) It's so funny now. It seems like such a nice thought, doesn't it? Who doesn't want their work to be right? But here's the issue in this particular example. Well, there's, I'm going to give you two reasons. First reason is I don't know enough to even know what quote right looks like. Here's just a few questions I had about scheduling. How many weeks in advance should I make the calendar available? How soon before the appointment should I allow for rescheduling or cancellations? How should I manage the automated rules about times between sessions? Should I use the quote, busyness tool that makes my calendar look busier than it is? What about follow-up emails? How will those have to change? There were so many questions to consider. Of course, I did not have a clear idea of what right quote would look like. I had never done it before. And there were several factors that could go quote wrong because I had never done it before. Which leads me to point two. The thought, I want it to be right, implies that it can be right or it can be wrong. 
I'll either get it done well or I won't. But the truth is, it will be whatever it will be. I'll take my best guess at all of the questions and dynamics, and then I'll try it out. And I will course correct as I learn from my previous guesses. It's a process. Wanting something to be right implies a finished product, that it is etched in stone. Either it's right or it's wrong. But many things in life are available to change. Many things in life are on a scale of dark to light, left to right. Our dualistic brain tends to put things into dualistic categories that don't actually belong there. My schedule was not a dualistic experience. So my brain categorizing it as such did not help. Okay, so we know I had the idea, I want this to be right. Now what? When my brain figured out that there was not a way for me to execute and to quote, be right, that is when I would get distracted. And here's the tricky part about brains. If we realize we have a problem, we can solve it. Our brains are fantastic. But much of the time, we don't realize we have an issue, and so we distract ourselves. In this case, needing to add scheduling to my website was not a problem. Adding scheduling and being happy with it and proud of it from the onset, that was the problem. I had set myself up to fail by thinking, I want this to be right. I had a goal that was impossible to hit. But because I hadn't identified that I had an impossible goal, my brain distracted itself to keep me safe. As soon as I realized the problem wasn't the scheduling, it was the goal, I could put my brain to work. How many weeks of availability feels comfortable and predictable to me? What do I want the client experience to be? When will I put a check-in date on my calendar to audit the process? All of these questions are answerable, but I wasn't asking them when I was stuck in the thought, I want this to be right. Okay, so that's what was happening in my brain. What was happening in my body? Typically, I would sit down with a mixture of frustration and determination. The frustration comes from the thought that the work is never done, the website is always changing, the processes are always evolving, and it also comes from a place of self-judgment, wishing I had changed the scheduling process months ago or that I had just started off with scheduling. But the feeling of determination, that comes from my desire and my will to get it done. And side note here, just because, you know, I'm obsessed with emotional patterns. For me, frustration and determination often go hand in hand. I do experience determination as a standalone emotion. It is totally possible. And I notice that often my emotional pattern is to start in frustration and then slide up the emotional scale to determination. Because I don't like the feeling of frustration in my body, I use that energetic force to propel me into determination. Or at least I try to. When I'm frustrated, I'm often thinking about the fact that I have to do something. Maybe I'm busy and I'm believing I don't have time or I believe I'm not equipped to do what needs to be done. My frustration starts from needing to do something and resisting it in some way. Then I take a breath, or two or three or four or five, 
and remind myself that I figured everything else out this far and I will figure this out too. And that once I do it, I know I will feel so much better. I might even feel great. So for me, frustration and determination are often sort of a chain reaction in my body. And it's really a positive emotional patterning that I have strengthened since becoming an entrepreneur. It has served me. And it has served me when I've had the thoughts that help me move into determination. In this case, though, I was starting off frustrated and then thinking a thought, I want it to be right. Why didn't I just start my business with scheduling? What if I pay for a scheduling service and I regret it? Those thoughts don't move me into determination. Those thoughts move me into uncertainty and to be fully honest, even fear. And I know that sounds sort of silly that we would have fear regarding a website or scheduling, but that is the human experience. I don't want to add scheduling to my website, have people get used to it, then one day decide I don't really like it. And then the process changes for clients all over again. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but this was a mistake I really didn't want to make, which led me into fear. Okay, so back to the story. After the third attempt and failure to add scheduling to my website, I noticed I had the pattern, but I couldn't identify it. So at the fourth attempt, I noticed I was thinking, I want this to be right, which was causing me to slide on down into uncertainty and fear. Rather than thinking, let's figure this out and see what happens, which would have shifted me into determination. So that fourth time, when I realized I was feeling afraid, I was able to deal with the fear. I gave fear the microphone. I didn't journal. I didn't call a friend. It wasn't even a big deal. I sat for about two minutes and allowed myself to feel the fear. I allowed myself to flush out what was I so afraid of? What was the worst case scenario? I lose clients because my scheduling system is awful. I somehow managed to shut down and delete my entire website. I forget to update links and then things don't work properly. Once I gave fear a voice, once I heard it out, it wasn't so scary. And I knew what to keep an extra eye out for. I hadn't consciously been thinking about updating the links until I allowed myself to pay attention to the fear. So now, after inviting in the feelings of fear, I actually felt more prepared to be successful. Isn't that ironic? We think that feeling our uncomfortable feelings is the worst. We avoid feeling things all the time. We drink alcohol, we watch TV, we distract ourselves. But as soon as I asked fear what it wanted to tell me, my brain was able to add some steps to my process that then helped me feel empowered to complete the task at hand more thoroughly. So finally, after four attempts to update my website, I added the scheduling system. Insert round of applause here. <laughs> Basic entrepreneurship. As you can imagine, it was a mixture of being easy and having no clue what I wanted to do. And that's the way much of life is. We think we should know. We should know how available our schedule should be. We should know what other people want and need from us. But we don't know. Those are lies. We don't know. We have to do the best we can. And then we learn and we change things as we learn. 
those thoughts of, I want to get it right and I should know, seem so simple. They're short. They sound slightly positive. They don't seem like a threat, but they can easily lead to passive self-sabotage. So think about when you've had thoughts similar to that. What all have you not attempted because you didn't have all the answers or because you knew that you couldn't achieve it to the level and outcome that you wanted? I think most of us don't even realize how pervasive this is in our lives. There are things we just assume we can't do because we haven't done them before and we don't want to embarrass ourselves in the process of learning. How many business ideas have you not pursued? How many vacations have you longed to take and not even tried to budget for? How much of your life have you not even attempted? How many ideas have you not tried to actually create and manifest into physical form? The example I gave was small, right? Adding a scheduling tool to my website. No big deal. Website's already working. People are already buying readings. This is just changing that process up a little. But these small examples, they add up. They are parts of our success, of our growth. They, there are, you know, recipes that I've wanted to try that I don't even attempt because I don't want to go through the pain of learning. I only want to do what I can do well. And I know many of us are that way. I want to do what I know I'll enjoy because I can feel that I did a good job rather than enjoying the process of just learning a new skill. And that, my friends, is one of the best ways out of passive self-sabotage. To love the process more than the outcome. I'm going to repeat that. One of the best ways to avoid passive self-sabotage, or active self-sabotage for that matter, is to love the process more than the outcome. In the paradigm of loving the process more than the outcome, my thoughts would sound maybe something like, cool, let's try something new and see how it goes. Look, another piece of technology to learn. I've learned many others. Let's see how much value this one adds. This will be a fun experiment. I hope the clients requesting it like it as much as they think they will. Who knows? Maybe I'll like it too. You see that? When you're focused on the process... The worry about the outcome is barely in the thought pattern. And let's say in the recipe scenario, let's say there's a complicated recipe I've been wanting to try, but avoiding because I'm pretty sure I won't be able to execute it well enough to not be embarrassed by the outcome. Or I just don't want to look like I'm trying too hard. Those are outcome-based thoughts. Process thoughts might be, let's challenge ourselves and see how much we can enjoy it. Imagine how much I'll learn by attempting all of this. I'm just in the mood to challenge myself and this recipe is calling me, so I'm going to go for it. Now, could I still end up embarrassed with the outcome? Absolutely. And anyone who has known me and had a meal I've cooked, you know I'm likely to embarrass myself or to just not be thrilled with the outcome. However, my point of focus isn't on the outcome. So it's not as painful. If I wanted to focus on the process and I enjoyed the process, well, when the outcome works out, that's just the extra cherry on top. When the outcome doesn't work out, oh well. Focusing on process moves you forward. 
And that is the process of life at large. Nothing is static. Relationships change, jobs evolve, even our needs for shelter and food change during our lifetime. Fall in love with the process of being a human. Oh, look, another skill for me to develop that I didn't know I needed before now. Here we go. Another conversation to help us unravel what isn't working and rebuild something new. I wonder what I'll learn this time. I'm really good at learning. Let's go. Now, those are all positive sounding process thoughts. But even if it's not a positive sounding thought, a process thought is more helpful than an outcome thought. For example, my outcome thought was I want this to be right, which led me to shut down and not try at all. A negative process thought might be, all right, another thing I don't really want to do, but need to do to keep growing my business. So I guess I better get it over with. That sounds like such a bad attitude, right? And it is, it is a bad attitude, but it is a process oriented thought and attitude, not an outcome oriented thought. And so it doesn't actually shut me down. We can't control or predict outcomes, but we can be willing to be present for the process, the process of change, the process of learning, and the process of experiencing our thoughts and emotions, however intentional or unintentional they may be. Don't miss out on your life because you are afraid of outcomes. Don't stop before you even start. Try to save the money for the vacation. And if you don't make it to the vacation of your dreams, well, maybe you'll make it some other vacation that you never would have been to if you hadn't tried for the dream vacation. Just start. Start the process and see where it gets you. Focus on the process of growth of falling in love with life, of learning new things. You can do this, loves. Go take some action. Change your world and the world around you changes. So those are my thoughts today. Focus on process, not on outcome. See how far that gets you in avoiding passive self-sabotage. Have a beautiful week, loves. Bye.